Thank you, Simpson family. I don't know, but wow, Liberty can sing. I think that's the next Joanna. I always have to back up Joanna, and it is difficult. Because she never seen, sings the same thing every time. And when she does, it's up in the rafters, and I'm like, what? I thought, let's just stick to one note here, okay? I have a hard enough time with one note, let alone five. So, um, anyway, you try it. Don't laugh. You try it. But uh, I know why pastor asked us to preach. It's like saying, let's go on a diet. Okay? No one wants to hear that. (laughs) You're preaching. This is discipline for you guys. Okay? So this is training camp. So you must listen. And this is where we're going to start. All right? So uh, we, in the back, pastor asked us to start going through the Bible a couple years ago with the junior church kids. And so we started in Genesis. And we're finally up to Ruth. So we're going to preach on Ruth tonight because that's what we've been going over. All right. So we're going to preach on a lady, fellas. All right. Lessons learned from a lady. Ooh, you know how difficult that is? I'm just kidding. We're not preaching on lessons learned from a lady, but we are going to preach on Ruth tonight. And uh, two books of the Bible named after ladies, Ruth and Esther. And uh, they're both significant, very significant. One God is mentioned all over in the book. That's the book we look at tonight. Esther, it's never found, but God's all over the book. And it's an amazing truth. But turn to Ruth chapter number one. Ruth chapter number one. And uh, hopefully we can get something from the Word of God tonight. Just hearing the reports from Guyana, two days, 140 people dealt with. Uh, I don't know how many of those are saved, how many got saved, but it's uh, over there. If it rains, you cannot go to work. They say it's okay. You can stay home. All right. So we really got to pray because it's raining over there right now that God would shut it off and uh, don't pray for it to rain here. I don't want it to rain here right now. Okay. Because it floods me out. And so it's a selfish prayer. It is. And, And don't look like that. Everybody prays selfishly. You do. Nod your head. I would say nod your bush, but Gene can't, right? So, uh, you you know, everybody prays selfishly. God to hear their prayer. All right, let's stand as we read the book of Ruth, chapter number one. We're going to preach on tonight, doing right in troubled times, in troubled times, doing right in troubled times. Ruth chapter number one, the Bible says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he, his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Emelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Emelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. They took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Malon and Chilion died, also both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. 
And they went on the way to return into the land of Judah. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, lifted up their voice, and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should, should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Let's pray. Pastor Mark, would you lead us? Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now, I hope I don't say anything wrong about mother-in-laws, but I don't know. There's a, a daughter-in-law who wants to stay with the mother-in-law. That just doesn't make sense to me most of the time, especially a bitter one. Yeah. Naomi was a bitter one. But doing right in troubled times, if you look in verse number, 20, uh, verse number 25 of, of the book of Judges, 21, the Bible says in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I want to call attention to the time of the of the judges right now when there was no king. Everybody was doing right in their own eyes. It kind of sounds like the time that we're living in right now. You know what? That's what COVID did for everybody. They became the master of their own life. Hey, you know what? You want to do that? Go ahead. It's okay not to go to church to sit in church. It's okay to just watch church from home because you may get sick and die. We're all still here, okay? And COVID's passed. And what, what it did was it allowed every one of us to become our own judge. And they said, hey, it's okay for us to marry the, 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 the ladies to marry the ladies and the men to marry the men. And God said it was still wicked and still wrong. And you know what? Everybody says, oh, it's okay. The Southern Baptist Church, the Presbyterians. Hey, look at all these people saying it's okay. They were doing what was right in their own eyes, not according to the book. We have a problem doing right when things are perfect. 
How about doing right when things are in, in troubled times? This was a time of trouble. Everybody was doing right. The light was dim. The darkness was everywhere. There was spiritual darkness. Immorality. Idolatry is rampant. They worshipped Baal at the time. Sin was accepted and encouraged and condoned at this time. Now, not only that, it was definitely a time of trouble, but then there was a famine. You know, I was talking to Pastor Robbie this morning. I said, man, I wish I could preach like you because he preaches. uh, There was a word for it. What's it called? Uh, What did I say? Expository. But it was like, bam, bam. I forgot the word. See, that's why I don't preach a lot. (laughs) Anyway, and I said it this morning. I said the actual word this morning. I said, what is it? No, none of y'all know. Analytical. There's the word. Analytical. That's a big word for me. All right. (laughs) Analytical. And here I am, I'm trying to preach, and, and I feel like you know, all I could preach is scrambled eggs. It's like, if you get something out of it, you found a pepper or a piece of ham or something, all right? It's in the eggs somewhere. So I hope you get something tonight. But, and I don't even know why I went there, but here's why I went there. There was a famine in the land. Now, we can't even imagine in our mind because We eat all the time and anything we want. I was giving an illustration to the kids the other day and I took a piece of bread and I told them I'd left it in my car and we have these problems with little mice. They crawl in the vent and if you leave any type of bread, chips or anything, it's chewed up in little tiny pieces in the cup holder. You don't want to leave anything in the car. They even eat sponges, okay? It's they're really weird mice. But... I told them I brought this piece of bread in and I put it in front of the kids and I said, you know, how much money, if I paid you enough money, would you eat this? Well, I took it up and I rolled it up and I told them I had found it in the trash can. And then I had a young kid come up there. I say, if I, if I paid you $5, would you eat this? He said, no. I said, if I paid you $25, would you eat this? He said, absolutely. So I took the bread and I put it on the ground. I stepped on it and rolled over it with the cart a couple times. And I said, would you still eat it? And he said, yes. (laughs) Definitely a Christian young person. Probably needed money for missions. You could not pay me enough to eat that piece of bread. Because the mouse ate it, and everybody's, what's on everybody's feet, it was on the floor. It was disgusting. But if you were in a famine, you would eat that. Gladly. There are certain things that I don't like to eat, and I always talk about food in my messages. But listen, I had this thing growing up called huevos rancheros. Now listen, if you like huevos rancheros, God bless you, but not the kind I ate, okay? It was uh, corn tortilla with egg and some homemade red sauce, and there was like three sprinkles of cheese. (laughs) On my stuff, I got to have cheese. You must see the cheese. If I go to a taco place, I'm like, must see the cheese. Extra cheese, twice. You understand? (laughs) It was awful. It was awful. And you couldn't, even to this day, you couldn't pay me enough to eat it because I had this gag reflex. 
It just comes automatically. But there was a famine in the land. We can't even imagine not having food. There probably will come a day when that's going to happen here. Don't worry about it. God's still on the throne. And someone's going to have a lot of canned food somewhere. Okay? So, look, I could go for months without eating. All right? Because I'm planning for the next famine. Okay? That's the idea. You plan for the next famine. But... There was a famine in the land. There was no food. You couldn't get any food. And everybody's doing right in their own eyes. And then God says, all right, now I'm going to add death to the equation. I'm going to have your father-in-law die. I'm going to have your brother-in-law die. And then I'm going to have your husband die. So imagine the time of trouble and the heartache in Ruth's life. We're preaching about doing right in times of trouble. This was a distressed time. Here's, here's the deal. Ruth here is making an impact. She's in a shining example of virtue in this book. I wrote this down. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known Savior. Because we ought to do that. You see, there's famine. There was death. Number one. To do right in troubled times, you must have a steadfast mind. And it all is in a battle of the mind, church. You understand, 95% of our battles are right here. And it starts there. How did it start with Eve? Well, you can be as wise as God. And it all started right there. Really? I can be as wise as God? Absolutely. That's the and that's where it started. But Ruth kept her eyes on the who. Naomi kept her eyes on the what. Naomi became bitter because God took her husband and her sons and the famine. But Ruth kept her eyes on who. That's right. Ruth kept her eyes on God. Orpah also took her eyes off of God. You see, you don't know what I'm going through. My health, my marriage, my family, my finances. I know who holds all that, and that's God. But we like to keep our eyes on the what. Here we are. Oh, my ache. You know what? I'm telling you. I know I'm getting old. And you know how I do? Listen, I get up in the morning, and the first thing I think of is, what did I do yesterday to make this feel bad? Now, that doesn't mean I'm really old. When you're really old, you can't remember what you did yesterday. So I'm like, thanking the Lord. Hey, you know what? I went through analytically. And I said, now I remember what I did. I did a little manual labor, and I'm not used to doing that. And that hurts. Now, without making light of what is going on in your life, the who is always bigger. Ruth kept her eyes on God, and the who was always bigger than the what. A mind that is not steadfast produces fear. Look at Ruth chapter number 1 and verse 18. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. A disciplined mind keeps the focus on the who. Fear causes you to stop reading your Bible. It causes you to stop praying. It causes you to stop giving. It causes you to stop going and winning souls. 
You see, don't you know there's something going to happen in three months and the market's going to crash? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Fear makes you stop giving. And God said, give and you shall receive. But if we're over here hoarding, remember what Joe West used to say? You get what you can, you can all you get, and you sit on the can. (laughs) Joe West said it, I can say it, all right? And he was like 72. So he gets, maybe I'm not old enough to say that. But that's what he said, and you know what we do? We're looking at, oh my, all these things are going to happen. I got to start saving money because you don't know what's going to happen in three months. You don't know what's going to happen in four months. This month, I'm going to skip my missions. And I'm just going to skip my tithe. And I'm just going to stop giving to people. You know what is the greatest thing about the Christian life is giving to people. It's giving to every one of these children. It's giving to each other. And the moment we say, you know what, I'm not giving to him because he's kind of (laughs) rude. You know what God's going to do? God will put that person in your life every day until you give. And it's the greatest thing. God, I cannot stand him. He's so rude to me. He doesn't treat me right, and I really want to punch him. But God said, love your enemies. Right? Doesn't make any sense. And here we are. God puts them in and says, you know what? I'm going to have you minister to this little guy right here. You say, that's my job? Absolutely. It's every one of our job to minister to each other. But you know what we want to do? This is what we want to do. You know what? I got my house. I got my car. I got my life. And I got my wife. And I got my kids. No touch zone right here. Because life is about me. And life is all about others. And that's where that is the secret ingredient to Capital City Baptist Church. Because it's about others. Now, look at Naomi. She said, call me Mara because I'm bitter. First of all, a mother-in-law is one thing. I love my mother-in-law. She's great. But then to have a mother-in-law and then have her bitter, I'm totally out. I would not go over for Thanksgiving, Christmas, or any celebration. Who wants to be around a bitter person? My dad used to always say, and I think he made up this thing. It was like, it takes 95 muscles to frown and five to smile. And he would say, that's why y'all are so tired. (laughs) He'd say that all the time. And the truth is, is who wants to be around a grumpy person? Notify your face. Walk around like, man, I just drank lemonade. I mean, life is not that bad. I have a problem with Christian young people that are ungrateful. Is that the right word? Ungrateful. They become ingrates because they're ungrateful. And do you know what happens? This is what happens. A child says, man, I wish I had those parents. Yeah, Pastor Adam would be cool to have as a parent. Whatever. (laughs) Pastor Ben would be the bomb. (laughs) Whatever. I mean, if Jamie Jenkins, if Mike Garrow was my dad, if Gino... Gino's cool. 
he's funny, and that's about it. I was going to say he's funny and he's got money, but I can't even say that. But he's a missionary. And who wouldn't want that as a dad? And the devil comes and says, son, let me tell you something. Your dad's a loser. Capital L. And you know what we do? We start believing the lie. Now, don't think it's just Christian young people. He does that to adults. And then the adults get the bitter face. Drinking lemonade. Man, I wish I could go to that church. I'd be on fire for God. You'd be on fire, all right. For lying. But that's what the devil does. He always says, man, I wish I had their, I wish I had their finances. I wish I was rich as Pastor Mark. You can't give as much as Pastor Mark. That's why you're not rich. Pastor Mark's not rich. I mean, he's wealthy, but not rich. Hey, we're talking about doing right in troubled times. What's your troubled time? You know, in three months, it could be your health. Are we going to do right? You know what it takes? A steadfast mind. Write it down. One thing, steadfast mind. All right, it's not too much to remember. You want to do right in troubled times, have a steadfast mind. Do I need to repeat it again? My wife said I go way too fast. Steadfast <laughs> mind. The who is always bigger than the what. Remember Peter? He got out on the water, started walking and on the waves, and he looks around, and it's all tempestuous. And, and you know he got his eyes? He got his eyes on the waves. Instead of remembering who made the waves. Who made your trial? That was God. And if we have a steadfast mind, we're going to get through it. Now, let's look at what steadfast means. Now, I need to give you some scripture because I've talked enough. Isaiah chapter number 26. Isaiah 26, verse number 3. This, thou will keep him in perfect peace. How many of y'all want perfect peace? Man, I'll take a double dose. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So if we don't have peace, what does that tell us about our mind? Our mind is wandering. It's not a steadfast mind and we're not staying on Christ. So in other words, look, if you want to have perfect peace, keep your mind on Christ. Now, if we could do that, guess what? We would probably walk around with a smile. Even if we had cancer, even if your back hurts and your knee hurts and your face hurts, you would probably walk around with a smile on your face because you have perfect peace. But instead, our mind is concerned about the things of this world and it consumes us. Well, what are you going to do about the Great Recession? I don't know. I'm going to keep on living. I got 17 chickens. Ha! Ha! 
I can live 17 days. And after that, I'm going to feel like I'm going to die because there's no more chickens. I got to leave one chicken so it can lay some eggs, right? One a day. That's all I'm going to do. I'm probably going to have high cholesterol just because the eggs. I already have high cholesterol. But it's going to be okay because I know the who that created this. So are we steadfastly minded? Look, a steadfast mind means constant, firm, resolute steadiness of mind. Now, ladies, this doesn't give you an advantage when you're arguing your husband. I got a steadfast mind. I told my wife, shut it down. She'll use that one on me tonight. Listen, we're not talking about steadfast minded like that. All right. Firmness of mind or purpose, not wavering. This was Ruth. She said, where you go, I'm going to go. You know why? Because of what she saw. She saw she used to have gods of the Moabites. It was Baal that never did a thing for her. Didn't do a thing for her family. And you know what? Here's what happened. You weren't changing her mind. In spite of her heathen background, the horrible tribe of Moab, Ruth became a worshiper of the one true God. She cast off bowing down to stone idols and idols of wood and turned to the blessed Savior. The book doesn't tell us how, but maybe in the short time she was married to her husband, he told her of the greatness of their God, Jehovah. How he opened up the Red Sea, fought the battle of Jericho, made the sun stand still, made water come out of a rock and manna come from the sky. This is evident on the road from Moab to Bethlehem. The Hebrew God would be her people. She could have followed Orpah back to the altars of Baal. I mean, the choices that we make do have consequences. And Ruth made a great choice. Now with God in her life, she longed to be with the people whose God is the Lord. Now I have a question for you. You may not have the greatest of all, mm, uh, what you call, you want to be with people, a people person? There's a word for it and I can't think of it. But if you don't want to be around God's people, there's a problem. There's people that just want to be left alone. You know what? I could probably be like that for about maybe two hours. I love God's people. Being around God's people. Now, I don't like being around God's people that are bitter because you can be. But I like being around people that love God. You see, if we could remind ourselves of what God has done, we might be more steadfastly minded by his spirit. How steadfast is your mind? Lord, I desire to follow you. Solely focused on worshiping the Lord and you can have perfect peace. How about this year? How steadfast have you been with your mind? Well, there's sometimes I go to church and sometimes I don't. Well, that's because you're not steadfastly minded to go to church. What has God done for you this year? If I took testimonies... Depending on the night, I wonder if you could say, you know what? God has been good to me this year. No matter how hard it's been, health has been bad, but God has been good. Because you're steadfastly minded to follow the Lord. You know what we we need as children and teenagers and adults? 
We need to say, God, I want to be steadfastly minded in your book. You, we fill ourselves with all the wrong things, and I'll get to that in a minute. She was steadfast in her mind in the midst of a crisis. I about lost my mind when I lost my dad. That was losing one, and I was a Christian. What do you think the world is doing? They're losing their mind. They're losing their mind. That's why you go and you read about a buffalo shooting and 10 people dying. He lost his mind. We as Christians cannot lose our mind because the battle is our mind. He said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He didn't say, put it there. He didn't say, make it go there. He said, let. Let's focus on that word, let. Come here, little Ruiz. Come here. I'm so bad with names. Are you Josh? Come here, Josh. Now, you want you to sit in that chair, okay? Now, I want you to let me sit there. Okay? Are you ready? Let me sit there. Hey, you know why? If he don't move, I'm not sitting there because I'm too big. Now imagine if Gina was up here. What do you have to do? Get out the seat, mister. Now guess what? He let me sit there. That's what you have to do with the mind of Christ. It's not make me. No, no, no. I'm letting. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That means it's going to take a little bit of work. You must let. Thank you, Mr. Reese. Good job. Let this mind. This, we need to have a steadfast mind. Number two, write it down right here. Forgot my title. Doing right in troubled times. You must do it with a sound mind. Huh? A sound mind. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 7. I know you've heard it before. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, which is where we live about 999% of the time. We're living in the spirit of fear. Don't, don't undo and doubt what you do in faith. You know the who. Keep your eyes on the who. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind means healthy. Healthy. This is the only time you have to be healthy. It's in your mind. Okay? Have a healthy mind. It's not wild or wandering, not deranged, but well-founded. Here's what happens, ladies. The devil gets you to thinking. You know what? They didn't get me anything for my birthday. What a bunch of losers. They did nothing for my baby. Now, is that a sound mind? It's not. The devil gets you to thinking you know what everyone else is thinking. And it's easy for the devil. Your mind becomes his playground. And he says, you know what? Sure enough, Uriah's got a problem with you, Jeremy. The way he looks at you, <laughs> thinks he's all that. 
that voice he's got. <laughs> Lucifer had a nice voice. <laughs> he did. Not wild or wandering. A sound mind. What makes your mind full of stuff? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Telegram, Twitter, Instagram, Instascram, <laughs> radio, television, books. It keeps your mind full of stuff. And this book, how much have we put in? You see, what keeps your mind straight? If you're truly wanting a sound mind, this book right here will keep your mind straight. Lord, teach me something from this book because I know Uriah, he's got, man, he's full of pride. I'm going to send him a verse. Hey, don't be hypocritical. You know you. And God knows you better than you know you. <clears throat> so, good doctrine keeps your mind straight. Good fellowship keeps your mind straight. You ever been around somebody who all they can say is, man, God did that, and God did that, and God did that. Really? Does God do everything? Yep, sure does. Man, I want to be around those people. That's God's people. That keeps your mind straight. But if you get around somebody that is bitter, like Naomi, or just down in the dumps, nothing can go right. Nah. Mm -mm. Well, I tell you what, haven't had a raise in 55 years. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with this inflation. Hip, 17 eggs, I'm going to die. Do you want to hang around those people? Good fellowship keeps your mind straight. So you know what I do? I find the people that are happy people. Happy, uh, the Bible says something about happy people whose God is the Lord. Something like that. Right? What is that verse? Happy people whose God is the Lord. Pay attention here. He was looking up the verse. Good. Good fellowship. Now, let's look real quickly, because I don't know what time it is. I left my phone back there. Is it still preach? Thank you. Whoever said that. You can have a carnal mind. Romans chapter 8, verse number 7. Uh, there is a reprobate mind in Romans 1, verse 28. You can have a doubtful mind. You sitting there right now and say, you don't understand my circumstance, blah, 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 blah. That's a doubtful mind. All right? You get your eyes on Jesus, and he controls the circumstances. He's the one that says, peace be still. Cancer, gone. Uh, lunacy, gone. That one's a little more difficult. But all he has to do is speak the word. You can have a doubtful mind. Uh, Luke 12, 29. You can have a vain mind. 
in the vanity of their mind, Ephesians 4, 17. You can have a fleshly mind, which is probably where 99% of our churches are. Colossians 2, 18. You can have a forward mind, 2 Corinthians 9, 2. You can have a shaken mind, 2 Thessalonians 2, 2. Now, you can have a ready mind. You know what Pastor Robbie did tonight? <laughs> it about gave Brother Donald a heart attack. Because he walked up just a little bit late. He was probably praying a little extra in the back. He's like, what's going on? Someone's praying? He's like, it's... Remember Pastor Robbie had him pray early? Okay. You know what he's talking about? That's a ready mind. When you come to church, you're ready to receive, right? They receive the word with readiness of mind. Right? Acts 17, 11, 1 Peter 5, 22. Uh, right mind. Remember, he was sitting and clothed in his right mind. Even if you could thank God that we're sitting here and clothed and half of us are in our right mind. <laughs> All of y'all are in your right mind. I'm not. A renewed mind. Romans 12, 2. How about a humble mind? Colossians 3, 12. How about a fervent mind? 2 Corinthians 7, 7. Now, number three. So the first thing was a steadfast mind. The second thing was a sound mind. Now, number three, and I'm done. The same mind. The same mind. Now, pastor has a vision for this church. Do you know what I want to catch? I want to catch that vision. I have a vision for uh, junior church, Sunday school, primaries. Gino's got a vision for Radio. That's phenomenal. We ought to catch that vision. Now, what does it mean to catch that vision? That means having the same mind. Having the same mind. That's scary. Because I don't want you to think like me. That'd be real scary. But you know what I want to do? I want to get the same mind as Pastor Adam. And you know what his mind was? I remember him preaching this was on the mindset of multiplication through discipleship. Who are you discipling? Who are you mentoring? You know what? This fella needs discipleship. You say, did he, get, did he just get saved? No. Why does he need discipleship? Because he needs someone to look up to and to mentor. You say, well, I'm 82. Good. Get you somebody young that you can disciple and mentor. You know what? Trinity can mentor somebody else. She's only 14. And she can mentor somebody? Absolutely. Can you imagine another little Trinity around here? Oh, my. How about this fellow right here? You say he's, what, how old are you? Seven? He's 13. My bad. <laughs> We grow them young around here. I mean, come on. It's like, I'm sorry. But do you know what? He can mentor somebody who's 11 and 10 and 9 and 8 and help them out. And guess what? Sometimes he can even mentor somebody that's older than him. But you know what our problem is? We look across this audience and all of it's good fellowship. Good fellowship is mentoring. I need fellowship. I, I don't even like everybody per se. I love everybody. 
But all the time, there are certain people I like to hang out with more. I'll be honest with you. Because we have like-minded things. Did we adjust to become like-minded? Because there's not a lot of people that think like me. There really isn't. That like-mindedness comes from Christ. And that's what makes the difference. I mean, Phil and I are total opposites. I guarantee it. David Dilworth is OCD. That drives me nuts. That's an excuse to be picky. That's all that is. And I know he heard that in the back. But I need to have the same mind. Turn to Philippians 4, verse 2. And we're almost done, so hang in there. I know y'all are getting tired. We have some weak Christians. Look, I'm kidding. Sorry. Philippians 4, 2. I beseech you, Eodius, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Philippians 1, 27. The Bible says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's what the one mind is, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see, we're to be of the same mind. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. 1 Peter 3.8, Philippians 2.2. 2. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.10, let's turn there, we'll look at it, and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. The Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You know what we ought to do, church? We ought to say, God, I want to have a sound mind when it comes to crisis. Because here's what happens. The devil comes. We have children. Pastor loves our children. Does everybody agree pastor loves our children? Huh? And here's what happens. They grow up, they're 13, they're 14, they're a bunch of knuckleheads. They're all knuckleheads. Every one of them. I don't care how good they are, Uriah. Listen. (laughs) What happens is pastor says something that is pointed slightly in our direction. I mean, Pastor Robbie could be like this tonight with Uriah. He could be. Could he not? But if we're of the same mind, what happens is, Pastor, hey, any type of feedback, bring it to me. I want to know because I want to be of the same mind working together for the same goal. So Pastor has a real comfort level of saying, Pastor Robbie, man, Uriah, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't even have to beat around the bush. He can just say it. Why is that? Same mind. And then we sit here and we say, you know what? Pastor, tell me like it is. Give it to me straight. I'm ready. (laughs) Pastor gives it to me straight. And we walk around like, who does he think he is? guy is so proud. He's OCD too. (laughs) And that's all in the mind. You realize how important the mind is? 
because it's all your will. It's where you dream. It's all. It's your emotions. Remember, Haman thought in his heart. Ooh, that ought to scare me half to death. You think with your heart. Do you know how wicked your heart is? I don't need to remind you how wicked your heart is. Because the, the, the Bible does that enough. But here we say, Pastor, tell me like it is. And your, your little Johnny and your little angel gets to be 15 or 16. And he tells you like it is. And then you're mad at the preacher. Because you don't have the same mind. You don't have a sound mind. And you don't have a steadfast mind. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us with our thinking. Help us to get it straight and right. In the midst of crisis, God, I pray that we'd remember these three things. Lord, we do truly want the same mind. Help us, help it to be sound. Work in this invitation. 